This is Trez. This is Miguel. And this is Rod. And we are the Legion on Zoom. And welcome to a special episode of Power of X-Men. During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are around. Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you, know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and 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 very kind. This is the Power of X Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience, fam. I am beyond excited for our guests today. They were born in the radiant fires of Washington Heights and the Bronx, and it's three close friends who assembled during a massive global pandemic to embrace their destiny and bring the gospel of nerd to a world trapped in the burning embers of social isolation and internet memes. Individually, they are Miguel, Rod, and Chaz, but together they are Legion on Zoom! That is right. Word, that was epic. You're welcome. I just write marketing copy right there. I'm going to listen to that shit every time before we record (laughs) going forward and get pumped. Good lord. Copy and paste that shit at some point in the chat. (laughs) For you guys. Exactly. Just put a couple of transcripts. No, but thank you for the introduction. Uh, we're very happy to, you know, be on your show. You, you graciously uh, did our show, and that's actually one of our most uh, watched on YouTube. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, stoked to be here. Man, it's definitely I, an honor, man. Appreciate it. We're- I'm obsessed with you guys since I started diving into comic book podcasts. You guys were some of the first ones I I saw, and I felt such a I don't know connection with you guys like i felt like i just wanted to join in the conversation with you guys so thank you guys for coming on and make me feel cool <laughs> no and thank you like honestly yeah because like around the time when we started the podcast and you started yours and we found each other online on instagram and it's been you know uh, a joy to interact with you and your account and then connect with other you know uh, uh, followers out there you know and really appreciate the support that you've given us on on your account and all that you know and it's it's, it's just awesome for us to, to be here i love how rod is drinking like i don't know something really healthy and green <laughs> i'm drinking champagne <laughs> with like orange that's juice and chambord in it that's fancy different kind of health yeah. <laughs> yeah this is for my mental health no you guys always support me thank you guys i love it and you know, today we're going to be talking about Avengers versus X-Men, the 2012 crossover event that uh, a lot of fans are divided on. So <laughs> maybe it'll get a little nasty with us um, as the episode goes on, but it'll all be in good fun. But before we get into AVX, I want to know about you guys. I mean, I know about you guys, <laughs> but let's educate the people listening. Why don't you guys go around and introduce yourselves really quickly so listeners know who's who? Right. I mean, I yeah, who wants to go first? <laughs> Chez, go. 
All right. Um, yeah, well, since I'm the voice that everybody hears as soon as the intro ends. Um, so how that went down is essentially how the old saying goes. Some people are born into greatness and some have it thrust upon them. Mego and Rod unanimously, without my consent, decided to make me the host. So that's how that went down. And I graciously accepted. Oh. Um, me and, well, I should say Rod and I met when I believe I was like, what, nine years old? Rod was maybe like 15, 16 at the time. Oh. And um, I believe he was playing Final Fantasy VII, and I sat down and just watched him play, and like the rest is history. Yeah, bro, I'm flattered <laughs> that in your introduction you like are talking about me, but <laughs> I really appreciate it. No, I guess I'll use that as a transition. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I'm saying, like how we're all connected and shit. And I'll, then I'll um, do that too because I think Rod yeah. is the connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's Look what I'm saying. That. Like uh, because in a few decades later, um. Miguel became his roommate, and then we all met from there. But along the line, you know, like, just growing up with Rod and um, his brothers and sisters, like, we just basically were all into comic books growing up. And we kind of always had, like, a freedom of, like, speech around each other, like, no holds barred. So, uh, like, over time, we just became good at talking, or we spoke well, I guess. Like, just, like, like our goal daily was just to make each other cry laughing some way, somehow. So it became, like, habitual. Um, and it just got intertwined with all things comics. And the rest is history or posterity, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> or herstory. <laughs> yeah, herstory. Exactly. And I guess I'll take it from there and we'll follow how we yeah. produce each other on the show, right? Because it starts yeah. with Chess and then, hello, everybody. My name is Miguel. Uh, and yeah, kind of like Chess said it, you know, like I, I didn't meet these guys until 2011, actually the year right before AVX uh, came out, because that's when I moved to New York uh, uh, for grad school. And I'm originally coming from Tijuana and San Diego. So moving across the country, I didn't know anybody here in New York, actually, at the time. I knew like one person from from back home that lived here randomly. But other than that, I didn't know anybody. But I was lucky af to move in with rod you know we got connected by, by by a person from from grad school and i moved in with rod. shout out to fran yes shout out to fran <laughs> francesca dr arias yeah as um and then you know rod and i hit it off immediately from we were both very love you loved comic books we loved music metal we both play guitar and and then i loved it because then rod introduced me uh, to his group, to his family, like Chaz and everybody that he's grown up with, you know, uh, and they all welcomed me with, you know, with with loving arms. And I felt like uh, I'm part of the family now. And like Chess says, yeah, exactly. Then we would just have random hangouts almost every other night in the apartment where we just it was just always just a good time talking shit, making each other laugh. Uh, and and then from there, you know, talking obviously about well, comic books and everything related to comic books. And that's kind of how we all met. And then since then, obviously, now it's going to be actually this year, right? In September is going to be 10 years since I, you know, since what? we all met. At least I met the. You know, <laughs> oh, you damn. And it's yeah, like damn. 25 years I've known Chaz or some, some yeah, wildness. Facts. Yeah, facts. It's like, I think I've known Rod, like, yeah, at this point for like the vast percentage of the time i've been alive that's lit <laughs> so yeah so i am rod who you've heard about i'm the resident nightwing stan to use your lingo i actually got my uh my rebirth uh ivan rice shirt or reese um yes. and that's of course i got epic. all my nightwing shit in the back and of course the legion on zoom season one that's on shameless plug that's on youtube and <laughs> spotify that's the logo back there uh, thank you to amanda Chess's girlfriend for providing us with those. 
But yeah, I am a hardcore DC fan. You know, obviously I've been, for me, the whole podcast was a platform for me to talk about how much I love Zack Snyder's DC extended universe. (laughs) But it it, it became much more than that over time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. That was the only reason he agreed. Yo, for real. I I was like, wait, we're doing more than one season? Why? Snyder Cut came out. Anyway. (laughs) Um, You're like, Snyder Cut's out. I'm done. (laughs) We were scared of that. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm all in. And it can still continue, but we have actually have a segment devoted to that. And I think, and thank you for putting that. I think you were thinking about me when you did that. So I'm touched. Um, <laughs> yes, I grew up on Marvel Comics. And, you know, over time, I just discovered DC because of Batman, the animated series, the Tim Burton movies, yada, yada. Love Batman, love Nightwing. But yeah, that's my, that's my story. So when did you guys decide, like, we have a good thing going with our talks here. Let's start a podcast. What was that moment? Like, who, who was the first one to suggest a podcast? Actually, I think I'll mention, I think Deep Cut, I do really think the first one to throw the embers of that was Chez. But years ago, years <laughs> before the pandemic, because, like, we have this ongoing thread on WhatsApp. You know, we just call the hobby shop, and it goes by different names. And yeah. and it's just basically us three with other close friends, you know, who, who basically lived in the same kind of building and neighborhood in the Heights. And years ago, like, years, this is probably 2016 or something, before I even I moved to L.A. for that one year. And in, I remember Chess saying, like, guys, we should have a podcast because we just talk about comic book shit on that WhatsApp group, you know. And at that time, I, I remember considering it, thinking, oh, OK. But then we started, like, looking into how we would do it, how we would record in person. We're like, ah, too much work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That yeah. was the original idea. Yeah. And um, because something always told me, like, I would read, like, our own conversations and I'm like, just Based off of data, I doubt people cry laughing as often as I do reading all the shit. We like, 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 I would have days where, like, like my face would hurt, you know what I mean? Like, just reading all our own bullshit, like, us is talking shit. Um, and it came from a habit also that we used to have when we were younger. We used to literally stay up all night in our teenage years and our 20s just discussing comic books, yeah all the time I'm just so in, jealous yeah, just in the convos um and then during the actual quarantine during the lockdown when we were all driven you know like to the throes of madness um <laughs> essentially um something broke or something got forged once again however you want to look at that and then um i think i had just i had hit up the guys so like yo you know what if there isn't a, like a time let's try it like let's just give it a shot fuck it so um I think I made the WhatsApp thread. I added right and go, and then we just started brainstorming. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, and then from there, things just happened. We looked at the different steps. We learned up how to do shit. Like we essentially saw the skills that we needed, acquired them bit by bit, and yada yada yada. Right. Yeah. And trial and error throughout, of course. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Trial and it error. Definitely. It is still trial and error, like 40 episodes later. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're always learning something new when you're editing a podcast or just marketing a podcast. But it's fun. If you have a passion for it, it's fun. You fall flat on your face and then you just get up and you try something new. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned because it is that's part of the process. That's fun about it. We it's a creative outlet for us. And and thanks for the pandemic. (laughs) That's the one thing about it that we I think we all just missed each other a lot seeing our faces. Oh, that's 
adorable. Exactly. And it's like, oh, all right, let's let's actually just do this, and then we'll take it from there. And it and it's been a lot of fun, right? And I want to add something. A uh, deep cuts. We also were a, a music band essentially together. <laughs> so mm. when the pandemic hit and we were yeah, all we're quarantined, right. I was like, yo, this is a great time to make art. So I'm like, guys, you want to like play music again? That shit fell flat on its face. But then Chez's <laughs> idea to do a podcast, I'm, I'm like, okay, I can draw again. Because one of the reasons why I'm a huge comic book fan is that, I, you know, I was an, an aspiring artist when I was a child. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, life and its, and its dark nature, you know, crushed those <laughs> dreams. <laughs> but yes. Which uh, for some people would have made for better art. <laughs> oh no God. but now but check it out like it all comes full circle because exactly. now i get to like draw all these little like logos and shit and it's super fun oh your art is great i mean it's great Thank yeah and and with that we were able to also tap into the creative music side too uh, to some degree right because even like the theme song that's something that like yeah. I, the, the cheesy theme song that we have is like i wrote that and rod is the narrator and all the special effect voices that we add you know so we still tap into all this a little bit I of recording music your stuff. intro your <laughs> intro is one of my favorite podcast intros thank you yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a fun uh, brainstorming session. Like, while Magoo was just giving us drafts and we were just, like, going through it. Um, I almost, kind of, like, a lot of the stuff we do is kind of like that scene in Ghost with the pottery. We're all <laughs> holding each other and, and, like, just molding the clay, holding each other's hands. Damn, that's beautiful. Jesus. That is lovely. Wait, so who's the Debbie Moore of the group? I think mm. it depends on the project. For the <laughs> exactly, movie, yeah, yeah, exactly. For the yeah, theme yeah, song yeah, yeah. that was me, and I felt their hands guiding yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like whoever starts what we're working on, that's the Demi Moore, and then the other two are the Swayze. Okay. You know, R.I.P. Yeah. Patrick Swayze. Oh, Max, legend. Man. Crazy Swayze. I wasn't ready when Swayze died in, uh, what was it, 2006? Was yeah, it? I think it was that long ago. It's yeah, been exactly. I'm like, damn, really? Because I think it was him, Farah, and Michael Jackson that died, right? You know how they say people always die in threes. I think it was those three within that year. I think so that was 2009. It was oh, so 2009. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah, through service. Um, wait, you guys said so much, and I want to segue so badly. <laughs> Just two really quick follow up questions. One, what was the name of your band? Sane Haven. <laughs> which with deep cut even deep deeper cuts motherfucking chess i can say motherfucker on him obviously I cuss yeah. all the has time. has it tattooed on his back he's a legend <laughs> wait you have a tramp stamp like of Chaz. your band name <laughs> I, have, I have the total opposite of a tramp stamp is like right on the top of my back okay yeah. okay and what did everyone play in the in the band who was the lead singer or however it worked out I've always gravitated toward things bassy. Like I played bass. Okay, you play bass. Yeah, yeah, guitar and vocals. And Miguel. Right. I would do I would do guitar. And I was, I think, in Saint Haven, because I came in when kind of Saint Haven already existed for a little bit before that, right? You guys have been jamming before and then we yeah. we then started jamming all there together and the band. Um, but I was like lead guitar and rhythm guitar as well. And 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 we had other people just joining in and out of the band. Yeah. As well. yeah. yeah. And we were a cover band also, a uh, trivium cover band. Shout, Shout out to Trivium. Yeah. <laughs> it's um it's kind of like what type of band is that that just has like a rotating like staff of like artists? Are you thinking the, of the gorillas who they yeah. There are a few bands like that, yeah, yeah, where like, you know, like different people play different instruments over time and shit, yeah. like just something to that effect. <laughs> okay, okay. So then my next question is, you guys were talking 
about geek stuff on your WhatsApp chat that you called what Hobby Link, Hobby Room? What, what was shop. it called again? Hobby, hobby shop. shop. Originally the Hobby Shop. Okay, I think so- now it's gold currently goes by the legalized shop yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> legalized shop yeah. Legalized New York. you named it oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah oh i know i had a brain fart sorry yeah sorry about that. yeah actually i switched <laughs> i i love that name so what do you how has your conversations become different or how have the conversations been different from talking on a whatsapp chat to actually being on a podcast like how has your fandom as a group evolved Anybody? That's well, my I mean, Oprah question. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing that I've noticed um, from my perspective is that we've had to become almost like a bit more conservative in in like oh, the yeah. way we go about things because we have this thing now where we go like um save it, save it, save it, like for like the show. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we don't want to drone on, say something that we could have said on air. Kind of, it's kind of like we're trying to conserve the spontaneity, but still yeah. trying to go about things in like a normal way. It's a weird balance that we've learned that we kind of have to keep. I mean, of course, we could just say whatever we want to say on our thread on all the time, but we've noticed it actually makes things easier for us. And we save a lot of reactions from when we hit record and just like, Bleh. yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think at the beginning of this whole thing, we 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 would still kind of use the chat a lot to like vent and joke and and stuff like that and we would say like ah damn that would be good to include in the in the episode when we talk about this but then it would feel well not genuine right we're not forcing it again to happen and so from there we kind of think that's kind of what's changed that we're we're being more mindful about what we share (laughs) in the in the thread but we still we continue to use the thread kind of like as a source to we'll share links we'll share information to keep us almost and then building an agenda from there that that rod then keeps track of uh, uh for us so then all right when we meet on friday night let's let it all out <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like almost kind of like a sounding board you know where like we bounce the the ball off like you know what i mean okay yeah, yeah i like that yeah like and, that. and also i think like prior to the to the quarantine we were all comic book fans but on our own sort of and then we did you know whenever we'd have a topic that we all intersected on we talk about it but this really like brought us together and made us talk about this every day almost right we're talking about comic book stuff we're updating yeah. each other on comic book stuff and it also like compartmentalized that part at least of my life like i don't really feel the need to talk comics like outside of the podcast i just had do it all like i just save it like just yeah. let it let all the fanboy out in that fucking hour or two that's I feel- like super masturbatory of you <laughs> Just, just save the load. Hashtag save the load. I've first of all, I'm going to be using that going forward. <laughs> Go, right that from you guys. Go right ahead. Go right um, ahead. But yeah, I love that idea. I, I try to like conserve all my opinions on stuff for you know the podcast or any social media you know that we have to promote the podcast. But wait, so I haven't had the opportunity to speak about this with anyone else. And I'm so excited to ask you guys this question. Your feels on the Snyder Cut. I think we'd let Rod go first. As yeah, a- I'm looking at Rod. All right. Fair okay, enough, cool. Fair enough, fair I, enough, I, I, fair don't worry, guys. I'll keep it brief. We, were, we did a, a full <laughs> hour special that's also on our YouTube. Check it out. Oh, also on Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, as a fan, you rarely get these kinds of gifts. Like, I don't know, like, you know, these projects that never happen, like Nicolas Cage or Superman with Tim Burton, you know, they, they, they're just something that we'll talk about forever. Yeah. But somehow the fans were powerful enough 
to come together and make this project happen. It's usually like the other way around, right? The studio makes this for the fans, right? But this time the fans made this for themselves. Yeah. And Zack Snyder is just like the one guiding the whole process. And, you know, I, I like that. It's good that Marvel and DC give us different products. We don't want the same thing. Like we don't want to see... At least me, like Shazam, yeah, it was kind of cool, whatever. But it's like a Marvel product. Like, you're trying to just copy them. Do your own thing. And that's what Zack Snyder did. He did his own thing. And it was beautiful. And I'm glad that as a fan, I get this, like, closure that I saw it. Would I like him to continue? Sure. But given the magnitude of what the Snyder Cut movement did, I'm happy. And it was a fucking amazing movie. Four hours. So, Oh, yeah. Did like you watch cents. it in one sitting? Yes, yeah. with Miguel. Hell yeah. Yeah. We took advantage that we were both vaccinated completely. So we're like, all right, let's get together, hang out, watch the movie uh, uh, together. Like in the old. Yeah, that was the first time we saw each other in person since all this started. No, so that was really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's gnarly. Yeah. No, yeah. But the thing is, since like we tend to communicate so often, it's kind of like it's not like we don't talk. You know what I mean? Like it's like we just don't see each other physically which in itself is like its own dimension of you know social things but it's not as bad when you're basically communicating with people like daily hourly right and, and, and then to add saw to- a wonder woman 84 quick word yeah yeah oh yeah word word and then to add to the snyder cut uh, uh and finally Zack snyder's justice league that got released i do think actually that whole movement kind of is also part of what inspired us to get together to do the show because when we had our first episode the news had just come out that they're going to make the movie for hbo max and and we like as we love to talk shit we 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 really appreciate that we all have different points of view. And for example, I was very very against Snyder films, and I disag- I didn't like uh, his approach to movies. And we would talk it out, you know. And what Rod is very passionate about his films, and Chess I think is more in the middle, but appreciate Snyder, but you know can be more in the middle. And so that then we were like, all right, let's record an episode of us talking about this shit, like from the very beginning. Uh, and then so that's been an ongoing thread yeah. throughout our episodes, and so. I, and then for me, like I really put to, we, we really try to influence each other, at least and keep an open mind. And for example, I love the movie. I'm actually I got converted to some degree, uh, to be a which is insane. That's told insane. you it would change you. That's <laughs> what, it, it, it was a good movie. It legitimately was good. Fuck Justice League. You know, like, thank you. That uh, bullshit uh, they gave us. I will note that like the uh, the logo for season one is is based is an homage to the Justice League poster. Yeah, we're, mm. you know, <laughs> but, but now, um, whatever. I also, I also get to do this in a different place. Fuck you, Joss Whedon. Yeah, and I'm gonna do that wherever and how many different ways I can. Um, in my opinion, I honestly, I freaking love the movie. I did it in two halves. Like I said on our show about it, I think it was the most amazing thing that has ever thinged in the history of all things. Um, <laughs> Rod took care of the fan side. I give props once again to the crazy, completely apathetic studio execs who were or like who, who, who harnessed the ability to eat enough crow to make that much money and actually give them the 70 million. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. even though the fans had the movement, the executives were like, fuck, you know what? Let's do it to yeah. be able to take that big of like eat that big of a shoe that takes balls. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like. They're the first studio to jump off a cliff like that. So they set the precedent at the end of the day, even though the fans got the ball rolling, they were the one that said, you know what? Fine, we'll do it. And that's something like a studio kind of like hearing fans that closely. You don't see that too often. 
You don't. I'm I'm curious why they decided to listen to fans that closely. I, you know, the thing that I've been iffy about with Warner Brothers is that they don't have like a Kevin Feige who is a fan and also a producer and knows how to do movies. And they just seem all over the place with their films. Just like yeah. Rod was saying, like you have Shazam, which is an entirely different tone. And then you get Wonder Woman 1984 and you're like, what is this garbage? Yeah. You know? And, and then, and then you finally get the Snyder cut. They randomly give you the Snyder cut and it's good. It did all the work. And I, again, I, I hear what you're saying about comparing it to like the MCU, but they did some very important work in that film to establish a much larger world. And it was successful. Oh, and then you think, man, yeah. if they would have just released this version, it would have fucking rocked. And I don't understand why you're going to bring Joss Whedon in to redo this entire movie when you've already shot like four hours worth of this epic saga. You know, I have this weird feeling that behind the curtain, there's a lot more humble people that work at Marvel than at Warner Brothers. I think behind the curtain at Warner Brothers is like an ego slugfest. It's like it's <laughs> like it's like the battle of like dark side versus like the old gods and, you know, the Amazonians. But with eagles, that's what's happening at Warner Brothers with the executives just like, fuck you. And no, we're not doing this. And yada, yada, yada. And at Disney is like people go, wow, that's a good idea. Okay, you know what? Let's all just go in that direction. But but I think I think it also I think it, it, I think what you're saying is it's true, right? But it goes back that we got to think about the history of the MCU, right? How it started because it didn't start with Disney. It didn't start with being a big studio like that. It was a small studio, right? Mm -hmm. Led by just this few people who were like, all right, let's go. True. It was all a gamble at that time, right? Like, all right, let's do Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Who cares? He's had this crazy past, but I believe he can do this, right? And, and they're like, he's also cheap. We can, <laughs> right. we can get him on the cheap. Like or at that time, and they're using, right, the rights that they had from Marvel that were at that point, like, oh, nobody wanted those rights, right? Like, yeah, I don't Avengers were D-list. No, exactly. Right. Everybody, you know, you know, Fox had the X-Men and and freaking, you know, Sony had Spider-Man. And so they're like, ah, oh, who cares? And so I think that really helped for them to grow. And then, you know, then then obviously then Disney's like, oh, you're making a lot of money. I'm going to buy the shit out of you. Yeah. Whereas with the DC films, they've always had executives involved. They've always had this bigger company thinking about the money more so than just like quality kind of products. And so that's been the problem. So kind of like Dayspring says, like they need a Kevin Feige uh, to help, you know, direct. And then they just need to trust them. Like, for example, Snyder could have been that. But Yo, amen. Snyder didn't yeah. trust him. Yeah, or maybe they also need Kevin Feige. <laughs> Damn. Well, isn't Abrams, Rod? You can you can probably weigh in. Isn't Abrams supposed to be that Kevin Feige figure? Did they win him at an auction? Like his talents? I know they're giving him a shit ton of money, but yeah. I, that's that's the the idea behind it, right? Like give him the reins. Hopefully, like you know, which I was just talking about. Hopefully, they don't interfere with him if he does if he does become an architect of a of a larger universe that they don't you know mess it up i mean just let it happen right yeah yeah because we i mean we've seen what happens when the studio has too much input batman and robin 1996 or 7 like this was a toy selling fest like it was just the studio's okay put put everything like you know just yeah, like would... throw everything in this fucking movie <laughs> you know and it's and that's what you get you get a shit show but chris o'donnell was an amazing robin 
my god he was and i liked alicia silverstone at the time true and uh poison ivy uh it had some redeeming qualities it had some redeeming qualities it's of course of course you know what i mean i knew it was bad when i first watched it but i loved it and that actually is my favorite one out of all the those movies (laughs) and i know it's bad and in a weird way though you can't front amongst all the bullshit chris o'donnell had a pretty good robin suit yeah, he was basically like, like his, Nightwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His base Robin suit, it was pretty lit. Yeah. I remember that. So are you guys also watching other shows that are airing now, like Invincible? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, what do you guys hell think of yes. Invincible? Mm-hmm. Tell me. I love Invincible. No one talks to me about Invincible. <laughs> um, I forgot where I saw this, or um, I don't know if it was like in one of our chats or just like on the intro webbies, but <laughs> somebody was like, Yo, I honestly think that um, what's his name from the boys, uh, Homelander, would tell Omni Man like, "Dude, chill." <laughs> <laughs> like, I've I got worse on that, but it's like, damn, dude, when he goes, oh, yeah, shit. yo, the one thing I wasn't expecting is like when he goes through the okay, like Homelander's a dick, right? But you kind of see why he's so twisted and broken. Is like right. any any person in psychology would have a feel they were Homelander. Omni Man is literally a man on a mission and a savage and a living weapon. You mm-hmm. saw that when he went back through the portal with those weird aliens that kept attacking the same site. He he, he decimated their population. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a beautiful sequence. Yes, that was like, insane. I, I was not expecting that. Like I was expecting, yeah, yo, you know, like he's about to go off some carnage. He took him to the dark ages. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was a fan of the comic book and I started watching the show when I got back from vacation a couple of days ago and it's, it blew me away. It's different too. Yeah. Like, I don't think a lot of people have talked about that. Like Kirkman went back in that first episode and revised a lot that was already in the source material. And it was great. It translates so well. Actually, speaking of podcasts and all that, you know, I just heard a great interview, Kevin Smith, uh, with Robert Kurtman on the Kevin Smith uh, yes. uh, podcast. Oh, that's amazing. And the they Godfather. Men- yeah, they mentioned just that, right? Because they were asking, like, is it super easy? Because you basically have the script already, right? And so you yeah. just copy paste. And he's like, no, like, he's really going back to rewriting it. Also, because he's like, I wrote this, like, originally years ago. I'm like, now I look oh. at it, it's trash. So, <laughs> like, Damn. I want to do it under a different, I get it, right? Like, and so that's really so I think for me, because I'm also a fan of the book, I read I haven't finished it. I'm like on volume nine right now. Okay. And but it's cool because it's different enough that keeps me kind of guessing a little bit of like, oh, OK, now you're going to do this in a different way than what I read. But it's still true to the book and it's uh, fucking fun to watch. And it's, it's a great, great show. And we're actually talking about it on our podcast as well, on, on our episodes uh, every week. We're not going as far as doing the mini-sodes as you're doing with the Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> we did that for WandaVision, but but then that that's it. Right, it's taxing. Incorporating it into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were like, you know what? People could hear us. Just hear the regular episode. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, I thought with like WandaVision, they would just be mini episodes and there'd be like 20, 30 minutes, but they ended up being longer. We said and I was the same like, thing. and I was like, you know what? That, that's it. This is going to be the weekly schedule. Like it gives me direction and stuff like that. But mini sods are a little bit more work, especially when you have to edit and you're, you guys are editing for video now as well. Right. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. right. And having yeah. fun with it. Cause again, another Avenue to like make artwork. So I like to like sneak in artwork whenever I can. So if you check out those videos, peeps, 
get to see some Rod originals. I'm just going to plug the fuck out of myself. No, this whole wow. no way. Check so, out all my shit. On the subject of <laughs> WandaVision, did you guys, I mean, I know I, I listened to some of your recaps on episodes. Tell, tell people who aren't familiar with your show what your feels were for WandaVision as we transition into Avengers versus X-Men. <laughs> I enjoyed the last three episodes compared to like the beginning of the series, essentially. But I thought the last three or four episodes were off the chain. Whatever, Chess. You were loving the show from the beginning to end, dude. Like you (laughs) love the last more, but you love the whole because now Chess is on a on a he's like he hates WandaVision. Exactly. Better. (laughs) What have you done for me lately, Marvel? What have you done for me lately? Bro, and I, I'm kind of mad that you like all this on fuck Joss Whedon business because he did give us the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, we can't forget that he did give us that movie blew me away. Top three MCU movie right there. It, Yo, we we got to start with the heat. I'm, I'm curious what behind the scenes drama for the Avengers was with Whedon because he did not come back after Age of Ultron and there were rumors of a big fallout. And I actually interviewed Whedon at Wizard back in like 2006. Holy he was shit. a major tool to me. Wow. So, you know, I, I have a personal vendetta against him, but <laughs> I love Buffy. I love Angel. I love Avengers 1. Age of Ultron, I didn't think was particularly good, but we got Wanda and Pietro right. and Vision out of it. But yeah, I don't know. Like the, the Justice League, I look at it and I think it's objectively bad. And I yeah. think there are certain parts of it that are offensive. You know, like, especially for Wonder Woman. That's know? what I've said before. Like, I think he made bad decisions knowing he was making them while he yeah. was making them. It's yeah. like, like some of them are so obvious, like all that Ray Fisher shit. I've said it before. How can you watch all of that and be like, nah? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, that's it. Just like, nah, take all of it out. Not a yeah. little bit. Take not most of it. Take well, all it- of it out. If you're a racist man, I think it's easy for him to say that. For him to be like, yeah, no, I don't want that. Yeah. That's that's who he is. That movie literally broke my heart. I'm not exaggerating. I I, I walked out of there sad. I'm like, fuck, they just shat on this man's dream. And I'm glad that, you know, Snyder never watched it. And then he eventually got his retribution. So shout out to Zack Snyder. Yes, Zack Snyder. Absolutely. But okay, so WandaVision, we got your feels. Now, what about you, uh, Rod and Miguel? How do you guys feel about WandaVision? Go for it, Rod. <laughs> it was I. <laughs> that was intensely I mean, mild. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the, just the, the, the photon scenes. I mean, the Monica Rambeau, I keep on her photon. The Monica Rambeau scenes of her just, it, to me, she was the main character she had the only interesting arc in the whole mm-hmm. show and then and you know if you like cut out all her scenes and her story it might make for a compelling episode okay. but everything else was just eh. yeah yeah uh, you weren't singing agatha all along eh. <laughs> <laughs> however you- her her like her suit um catherine Whatever her name is. Catherine Han. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was amazing as Agatha. I was so shocked at Brendan Agatha Harkness. Her whole sequence, the effects, her costume, her acting, 10 out of 10 for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the acting and everything was great. You know, I, I did like WandaVision as a series, but as I was watching it, I couldn't help but feel a little disappointed on certain things. Like Kevin Feige was like, this is the first chapter of a multiverse saga. Oh, and here's Evan Peters as Quicksilver. And then it's like, psych, he's Ralph Boner. And you're like, and then like everyone turns on you online. They're like, you're a clown with your stance, you know? And I'm like, no, it, 
I was told this. I would not have theorized anything else had I not been told that this was going to be a larger story. So I was kind of disappointed at how small WandaVision was in the end, how self-contained it was. I can definitely see that. Um, like I wanted Doctor kind of, Strange nope, in there. I, I have a whole different theory that I said on the show. My theory is that Wanda is the catalyst for a mutant-hating culture. I think that if they're going to plant the seeds for mutants to appear in the MCU, there has to be some type of conflict between them and the government and people in general, right? It's part of their story. And I think that when they take the fact that uh, Wanda held this many people captive Mm -hmm. and caused emotional and physical distress, what? She's fucking public enemy number one. I I agree with you. Like that ending scene when she just walked away, I was like, damages. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wanda needs a good lawyer. Like get Matt Murdock on the case right now. But yeah, or Jennifer so, Walters, Jennifer Walters. She can't afford Jennifer Walters now that we know the Avengers aren't paying. But do you do you are you operating are all of you operating under the assumption that Wanda is a mutant or will be revealed to be a mutant eventually? Because I'm not. I, I'm assuming. I, 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 I would think, think so. so. I think so, because I, I think that's what they're trying to lead to, because there were those scenes uh, uh, when they did the whole flashback, you know, trips down memory lane mm-hmm. where they were showing us that Wanda had some apparently powers before getting messed with the the Mind Stone. Right. Yeah. Where she's like apparently with her probability hex powers. Right. Stop the bomb from exploding. That's what they kind of led you to, to believe. So then that makes you think that she might have some kind of predisposition, right, for this, you know, and even the way that they're making her say, how is she the Scarlet Witch, right, that she just can do these powers, right, that she doesn't, wasn't taught to be a witch or anything like that. And so I feel like hopefully they could run with that. And like Rod is saying, because then that'll give us the tension of, of, of hating mutants, no, and I agree. I think that's very, that's, that's smart for them to plant the seeds this early on. And it makes a lot of sense. It's um, I'm just I'm just waiting to see who's gonna be their first uh, big anti mutant like bad guy. You know what I mean? Like who's gonna be their first like big prejudice guy? Like that dude like that's the- always pissed from the animated series. Yeah, I was joking. Yo, <laughs> was like right out of my mouth. Yeah, Senator Creed. I think. Oh, Creed. Yeah, yeah, Creed. He's yeah, always yeah, mad. Yeah, he had like yeah, a Nazi yeah, thing on yeah, his yeah. arm. He's basically the a friends Nazi. of humanity. Yeah, he's basically a Nazi. Oh, great. <laughs> and then we can get Mystique and Sabretooth in there because he's the son of them. Which I um, hope. Which I hope that we get. Even though I, I highly doubt it. What's his name? Um, Liev Schreiber. Mm, his saber tooth, uh, his saber tooth. Oh my god, that was amazing! Yeah. Oh, that he was, was great. He did such a good job. I saw him at a Cadoba once in like 2011, <laughs> and I was like, "Can I take a selfie with you on like my sidekick?" And then I saw him again <laughs> wow. at Pottery Barn with his wife. Who, what's her name? Naomi? Is it Naomi Watts? He's married to or was oh, dating. Man. And so Zero I have a photo idea. with them on my iPhone one. So <laughs> nice. Nice. like that's the only reason you have the iPhone one is because of the picture. Yeah, I kept it. Um, right. But so, I just wanted to I just wanted to add, though, just because like Rod says, man, for WandaVision, Chez like kind of hated it now, except the last few episodes. I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a great show. I enjoyed it from start to finish. And it, 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 even the theory stuff with Ralph Boner was stupid. I actually 
like that we all did that. I think that was a fun experience. I haven't had this kind of experience since like Lost, I think, no? Like where every right. episode is like, what the hell is going to happen? And this is, and I think for us as comic book fans that we are, like, it's strange to be that surprised, you know? I think I'm, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I know how the story tends to play out. For this one, I was genuinely not really sure what was happening uh and and i love that i thought that was great and and i found that very entertaining from beginning to end and like elizabeth olsen shined as again as, as scarlet witch and so i'm like i i i'm happy with that and and, and i trust kevin feige with all my life you know about like yeah. whatever comes next i'll trust them it'll make yeah. sense it'll be connected i'm like i had fun watching it I, I think that's like the very healthy approach to have, Miguel, especially retrospectively, because I feel like a little burned. But I agree. You know what I loved about WandaVision? First of all, as you guys know, because you 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 have a social media page for your podcast, the engagement with WandaVision was through the roof. Everyone yeah. wanted to talk about WandaVision. And everyone was speculating and it brought fans together in a really great way. Exactly, exactly. And see, we haven't, I don't think we've had that kind of thing with other stuff, you know, like in that degree where we're speculating and people think like, no, this is the best theory. No, that's the best theory. It's like, that's fun. It's like being like in the comic book shop, reading a new comic book, you know, and being like, oh, what's going to happen in the next issue when you really didn't know? Wow. Yeah. And I'm actually glad you said that because um, like as soon as you mentioned that, I just called goosebumps because of how good of a point you made. I, like I shit you not. <laughs> because kind of like, that's what these shows are. They're basically comic books because with the movies, you watch it two hours, then boom, what are you going to do? You're going to speculate every day for three years. You'll go insane. But with the shows, you can speculate weekly, throw out theories. Boom, it's there. You see if you were wrong or not. Then it moves on to the next week. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot more activity on the part of the company as well as an art part as with the movies. After you see the movie, you throw out theories for, what, a couple of months at most, maybe, if you're really deep into it, and then you forget about it until you hear some news that somebody got cast. You know what I mean? Like, it's very, very spread out. So with the shows, I think the fervor, like, it's, in a weird way, it's intensified, but it's also stretched out more. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think the the shows are like those individual, like, miniseries that you read and then yeah. like the movies are that massive crossover event. Exactly. And I, and I think that's why I ultimately was kind of disappointed a little bit with WandaVision. I was expecting like major ramifications to happen. Don't get me wrong. She's Scarlet Witch at the end. Yeah. But and I got in trouble for saying this. So I, I, I want to be very clear how I say it. I think WandaVision is skippable, not because it's a bad show, but because all you need to know at the end is that she turns into Scarlet Witch and she's going to appear in Doctor Strange, too. That's it. And I think with Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now, the assumption being, and I'm, I'm okay if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, Falcon's going to be Cap at the end. And that's not too far from what happened at the end of Endgame. You can trace it to the next movie. So I like these being more character focused and driven and you can watch them and they're great, but they don't necessarily have major ramifications for the larger stories. Does that make sense? I get what you're saying, um, and I definitely agree with that as far as WandaVision. I totally disagree as far as Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because the stuff they're doing seems to have is kind of like between like 
it's kind of like it's a lake, right? Like a placid lake. That's a whole universe. You throw in a pebble, that's one division. There's not that many ripples. I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is more of a boulder in the lake, and the ripples are way bigger because now you have Madripoor. Zemo, I'm sure, is going to escape from them. It's going to be on the loose by the end of it. And I think that Falcon is going to give it a try and then pass it on to Bucky, and he's going to be Cap. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I love that analogy you just made. Yes. <laughs> I tried. Thank you. And I agree, but I don't know. I still have some kind of hope that the WandaVision will have bigger ripples. Because one, I think it was really showing us that Wanda is hella fucking powerful. Yeah. You know? And I think up until now, they really haven't shown us other characters that are that fucking powerful. So that's going to have some consequences. And I think they still have the White Vision storyline, right? So we'll see what happens and how that can relate to the movie and i still think with 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 rod's comp like for example with you know we know after age of ultron they had that led to right the civil war with the sokovia course and that kind of stuff so i feel if they follow that same pattern with what wanda did in in what's the name of the town i forgot the westview Westview. Westview. exactly there's going to be backlash there's going to be some kind of consequence to that that then will lead to other stories i do think it's a it's not as big of a ripple but it's it's there's a ripple okay Okay. that's fair that's fair so speaking of x-men and avengers avx that's what we're here to discuss i want to know straight out of the gate i kind of know the answers because i've been on your podcast before but why don't you guys tell me who are your favorite X-Men and your favorite Avenger. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Can we yeah. just do X-Men around and then come back for the Avengers? Yeah. Just like okay. I think about yeah. it for a second. That's All right. Good. X-Men, I got to go with Wolverine. Um, you know, I grew up thinking Cyclops was the greatest because he's the leader and, you know, that's what you got to be. Uh, but then Wolverine, he just, and then Hugh Jackman started playing him. And I'm like, oh my God, fucking Wolverine. He's the Batman of the Marvel Universe. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I got to go with my man Wolverine. All right. Wolverine's a solid choice. You know, a lot of people love Wolverine, especially creators. We had Cena Grace and Zeb Wells on and their favorite character is Logan. They love him. Yeah, and I know I've heard people give crap about Wolverine, like, oh, he's overused and whatnot. Yeah. But I'm like, he's overused because he's great, you know? Yeah. He's, a, <laughs> yeah. he's a great character and people want to use him, you know? And it's not like when he's, you know, it obviously depends on the writer, but he's also, he's cool in the book he's in, you know? he's uh, He adds really cool stuff. And so, uh, but to build off of that, like, he he's close to one of my favorites. But, not, but I think for me, I do, I would have to go with Cyclops. I think Cyclops has always been yeah. my favorite one. I'm just intrigued with the character how he's grown the stuff he's gone through right even once we go into avx and you know the repercussions for that i've always just had a a a soft spot for for cyclops for me okay my favorite x-man is beast fuck you get out of here get the fuck out of here (laughs) i'm just kidding eject how do i eject you oh i can mute you (laughs) fuck you i bet you love his hellfire gala look don't you That's actually one of the coolest throwback cards. You remember those foil cards they used to yeah. have? I think he's on one of those because I think there was like a Hellfire Club series. That was one of the coolest ones, but I'm just Ooh. kidding. No, um, I would say, honestly, I've always been torn like aesthetically and power wise. I would say it would be Colossus, but uh, but on a more like human principle level, definitely Charles, because it takes balls to be so powerful and not act like Magneto. Yeah, yeah. Like, like to have that much, like he's like, he's a, like, he's almost a God, but on like a psionic level, like 
is he the most powerful telepath on earth? Like, honestly, so that, I, I mean, know there could Gene, be a case for but, Gene, right? Gene, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, okay, but as, but as, yeah, yeah no, that, no, for all intents and purposes, he is yeah. the world's most powerful telepath. Because Gene has like the raw power and magnitude of like a level 10 earthquake, but yeah. he has that, but he has the wisdom, the focus, you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. And, and he's like a background character, you know, like not really a background character in a way, but he has enough restraint, you know, like that, like it's, he's essentially the Hoover Dam. <laughs> like, Are and that's what it on the side. I mean, no, no, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I love your analogies. It's a gift and a curse. I just talk a lot of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so essentially, I would say, yeah, I, I, I would be stuck in between either Charles or Colossus, but I would lead more towards Charles. Okay. No, that's fair. How do you feel about him in the Krakoan age? Because he is a 180 from being in the hover chair and sort of this Merlin figure with his students to more of an aggressive leader of a nation with that helmet on his head. Totally not going to front. I'd be talking out of my ass because I have not delved into the current Krokoan age. You haven't read Hoxpox yet? I have not. Okay. Don't be offended. No, I'm not offended. I I know. No, I I, know. I still love you. I just I'm thinking now, like, I want you back. I want you to read it. And then I want you back so we can discuss your feels on it. Oh, I'm down. I'm totally done. Yeah. Okay. So what about Avengers? How do you fellas feel about the Avengers? Avengers? I got to go with Iron Man. Okay. Uh, because Robert Downey Jr. and you know the first Iron Man film, um, and also of, I've you know, read each character individually in the past. Thor, Captain America, Iron Man. I, I feel like Iron Man was always the more compelling. I mean, Thor has great stories. It's hard Lord. to pick between the two, but if I had to, given the extra weight of Robert Downey Jr., I'll go with Iron Man. Yeah. Um, and for me, this is tricky because I'm like thinking, are we going with classic Avengers or can we just be anybody? Because technically, right, because Spider-Man's my favorite character of all time and he was an Avenger, right? You yeah. know, thanks to Brian Michael Bendis' awesome run, they brought Wolverine and Spider-Man on into the team. I feel that's a little bit of a cheap one <laughs> to, to <laughs> pick. But, you know, so if it's not Spider-Man, we're going with the classics. I, I, I'm I, actually right there with Rod. I'm struggling between uh, uh, Iron Man or Thor Given their, I'm thinking how much have I enjoyed their individual runs more. So I think just because of that, I'll, I'll have to go with Thor because his runs, I just fucking devour them. They, they've True been amazing. Okay. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Damn. That is a really tough question because the Avengers like are such a massive group and they're just so many different people. Now I'll make to, it easy on you. To pick beast. With. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was people are trolling me here. look look just tell me i i will concede that beast is not a bad x-man or avenger just tell me where he got his phd from if someone can answer me that question i'd be happy he established this when you were on our show he got it in the caribbean <laughs> discuss this uh, <laughs> jordan d white told me he's here like who cares where he got his PhD? Because everything at Xavier's, at Xavier's is fake. Wow. <laughs> like Xavier just made it up for him and that's it. <laughs> and that is from the ex-editor himself. I was like, okay, you know what? There you go. You there have you your go. answer. Makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, but if I had to pick essentially, um, you know what? My favorite Avenger, I'd be stuck in between either Black Panther or Cap. Okay. Okay. Um, Ooh, I like that. I like the picks. Yeah. I'm stuck between Black Panther and Cap because essentially when it comes to um T'Challa, he's essentially like he's the most rational Avenger. You know what I mean? Like he I believe at times like he's the one that does what needs to be done, even more so than Cap. Yeah. 
Like, like, like yeah. he, like he, he's so rational. He's borderline like binary, like just ones and zeros, like, like, <laughs> like, like, like in his thought process. And you got to respect that. You need a guy like that. But yeah. and then at the same time, he also he runs a country. Like, yeah. well, that's why he's so rational because he has to see exactly the, the trees. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then it's Cap because he's the heart of the Avengers. Yeah. He's he's the spirit, like an entire group of gods, borderline, you know, like basically they're essentially kind of like the JLA of Marvel, which is exactly what they are. They default to Cap. They yeah. default to Cap because like so much wisdom and experience in battle and he sons everybody. If you're a New Yorker, <laughs> you know what that means. Cap sons everybody. He calls everybody son. No matter who you are, he <laughs> brings you down a peg. Uh, he brings you down a peg. And I respect that. He's Cap. He's Captain America. He wears Buccaneer boots. They're a fashion statement. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of bringing everyone down, I mean, he goes to Scott Summers's front lawn and is ready to throw down. Yep. But we will we will get to that. But oh, yeah. before we, we dive into AVX, here's my question for you guys. Chris Evans versus Hugh Jackman. What, like the actors fist fighting? yeah i'm down to answer both i'm down to answer both okay how about both yeah either chris (laughs) evans cap and hugh jackman's wolverine and i don't think the actors would fight i think they're such lovable guys i think they would be very like cool together so just the the characters Hmm. i'd say hugh jackman's wolverine the savagery is real yeah i would say so too like i think uh, Chris Evans, I think if he would have had more movies, maybe because I think he was really growing more and more into the role of Cap, and I'm buying it more and, and believing it. But 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 Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Like I don't know. Like I think from the get go, he's a tall Wolverine for my for my like. I think he'd be a shorter Wolverine, like in the comics. Mm. But if I'm able to like you know look that aside, I don't know. Hugh Hugh Jackman, come on. And he was also seniority. He was the first. You know. Yeah. Oh snap! I, I'm actually the odd man because I got Cap in this fight because i think that the power levels that were dealt with in the mcu are higher than the power levels that you see in the fox x verse so given that cap you know even in like chess said like even in the mcu he's the leader right he's like at the top you know he took on uh thanos like in both films um and of course you know uh, wolverine has a very like you know a great past and a lot of victories, but I got to give it to Cap because Wolverine never had to deal with a Thanos before. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. I actually didn't even consider the power levels and you're absolutely right. I yeah, mean, on our, I'm sorry to pick you up, but on our podcast, we also tried to like break down, like who would win like the, the movie X-Men versus the movie Avengers. Like that'd be a cool ass fight to see. Do you think we're going to see that eventually in the MCU Avengers versus X-Men? I mean, I think, yeah. Of course. Like it's coming. And I think it'll come sooner rather than later. I was about to say maybe like 20 years because to build that storyline oh, via so? the movies. Oh, my God. Nah. Well, no, it would be epic. like Civil War. Or it would be epic if for, like somehow, like I just thought about this, if they decide to develop the X-Men world within Disney Plus and then bring it to the big screen so they can flesh it out more. Yeah, I think that's been a rumor, too, that they're going to start introducing the X-Men on the Disney Plus shows. And I think that's why a lot of us were thinking WandaVision was going to be that first step. But 
Yeah. <laughs> let's not let's not open that wound. Again. Uh, that's yeah, it. We're we're done with WandaVision. That's it. <laughs> um all right, so diving into Avengers versus X-Men, which came out in 2012 and was an all hands on deck crossover event between the Avengers and the X-Men. The story sees the Phoenix Force returning to Earth and the Avengers assembling to stop it. The problem is, since Wanda's no more mutant spell, the mutants have been on the verge of extinction and the X-Men believe the Phoenix is coming back to repower the mutant race through their mutant messiah, Hope. The Avengers and the X-Men go at it and the Phoenix Force divides into five pieces going into Cyclops, Emma, Magic, Colossus, and Namor, and they are known as the Phoenix Five. But the Phoenix's absolute power and absolute power corrupts. Each one of the Phoenix Five eventually fall one by one until Cyclops is left standing. He becomes the Dark Phoenix and kills Xavier. And just before the world is about to be destroyed, the Phoenix leaves him and goes into hope. Together with Wando, they say no more Phoenix. And in the end, the Phoenix explodes, repowering the mutant race. So that's a, that's a crossover in a nice. nutshell. We do have some listener questions that I typically save for the end, but I think they're, they're pretty pointed in the conversation. So why don't we kick off with the listener questions and we can just have a free-flowing discussion from there. Do it. Go for it. All right. So our first question is why? Question mark. Just why? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so i think this is more in in reference to why did why do we think that we got an avengers versus x-men and i think at the time a lot of fans felt that the x-men storyline was being hijacked by the avengers who were rising to popularity because of avengers one i'm gonna answer that why with uh <laughs> because <laughs> that's very poetic <laughs> no, I, I, I would agree with the whole thing about, you know, uh, they were taking the X-Men storyline, right? Because I, I, I something that was funny about rereading it right now, actually, because I haven't reread it. Like, I read it when it came out in 2012, and then, and, and I hated it at the moment. I, I, was really, I had strong feel. I, I got entertained, but I had some strong feelings about it. Now that I read it again, I've actually enjoyed it a lot more. I can see the story a little bit better now from a little bit more of a distance uh, and, and much more mature eyes now that I'm <laughs> <laughs> but but like I do my my only thing that I didn't like with the why part I guess is like I do feel it was a little bit out of character how it kind of started for the Avengers with with kind of them just immediately going in to be like instead of working with the X Men to figure this out they're like all right we're taking hope we're gonna do this yo yo Thor punched the little mutant kid in the stomach you saw that scene I'm I like, was with what? that I I saw that I was like yo Thor let's go. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> like, he's, he's doing what he has to be. What has to be I'm done? Sorry, I'm gonna punch this kid in the stomach. But Miguel, you brought up you brought up that really great point. Like, here's the thing. I think in Civil War, you know, Tony yeah. has that conversation with Emma, and Emma's like, "Where were the Avengers when our children were burning?" So here, the X Men are on the verge of extinction. They do believe that Hope is gonna be their Messiah and bring back the mutants. The Phoenix has come back to Earth countless times since the Jean Grey incident. Why weren't they like, we trust you guys, but we're going to be the watchdogs here. Let's see this play out. I know that means that like editorially you can't have a story then because that's yeah. a rational approach, but they could still be like, no shit. The X-Men are blinded right now. We need to step in. And I wish those elements would have been fleshed out a little bit more. 
for the Avengers to look less of a douchebag and the mutants looking too irrational. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And I feel they could have done something which they did later on, for example, with the Illuminati storyline that Hickman did, because it started that way with them, like, working as a team, making tough decisions, and then they start to have a, a schism among them, you know, and then Cap doesn't like the decisions, and then that leads to eventually all of them fighting each other. Exactly. They could have started like that, working as a team, and then eventually their personalities get in the way, they make they, they disagree with each other, and then they go to fighting. I'm like, that, you know, that would have been, what, maybe two issues <laughs> to do that, to, like, build that up and explain that, rather than from the get-go. Like, all right, Cap, I'm going to just gonna attack them, Thor, punch this kid, let's do this. <laughs> What? Okay. Yeah, like, I really agree with that because I think that the initial him storming the beach and having, like, a flashback to Normandy or some shit, which yeah. basically what that was, like, to put him back in his old days, is kind of like, that's, in my opinion, considering what the situation was, that's very uncap-like for him to approach the beach ready to throw down. Because yeah. he was. He was. There was no, like, hey, I came to talk. He was there for violence. Like, he was ready. Like, if not, you wouldn't have brought a fucking helicarrier with you, bro. Yeah. You could have brought, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you could have brought, like, the main backup, just you and Tony and someone else, just kind of like as a, kind of just as like a speaking party, you know, like for the rest of humanity. No, you bring the shield helicarrier and the entire Avengers roster. Yeah, even to the invade backups. Utopia, to invade Utopia. I agree with you because I, and I've never even thought about it like that because I always defend, you know, Cap's, you know, decision to fire back because it's like, fine, Cyclops fired first. But like, what I hate about that is that Cap throws his vibranium shield at Cyclops' head. That would have killed anyone. Cyclops is not in, like invincible. Nope. Right, but he, he hit that. him in the visor. He didn't hit him in the head. Because oh, in, in the next art, in the next panel, you see like a huge dent. Uh, shout out to the uh, John Romita, and yeah. I was I was uh, impressed that I had forgotten because I, I get like Miguel. I read this shit way back when that this is like a, an all star cast of writers and artists. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is a Hickman issue, uh, um, drawn by Olivier Coipel. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like probably my favorite issue, and of course it was. Um, and then uh, the number zero with uh, Frank Cho on artwork, just oh, that gorgeous, was gorgeous that was artwork, gorgeous. Um, I didn't ever see a problem with them engaging. I know that writers have to kind of stretch when they want superheroes to fight. Yeah. I.e. Mm-hmm. Uh, BVS. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt that my main issue with the storyline was there were a lot of tie-ins, first of all. And then the versus book that actually had them fighting. Because mm-hmm. my me as a reader, I want to see who's going to win. That's why I'm reading the story, Cap versus Cyclops. It was all draws all across the board like there was no definitive victory and unless it's like cat versus gambit you know he's gonna knock him out but yeah it, it but it you know i just didn't like that they didn't like have decisive victories in the storyline and to be now, honest i'm like i'm not gonna lie i felt like this event too closely paralleled the event that we discussed when you were on our show the enter the phoenix yeah it's, it's essentially the same shit hey the phoenix coming to earth Mortal Kombat. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Same yeah. thing. Same thing. I'm like, why would you rehash the same event with adding some different backstory to it? But it's essentially the same thing. Like, I just found that a little odd, but it was still fun. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with what you guys said. I didn't like it necessarily when I first read it, and I've posted feels about it throughout the years, but I liked it a lot more. 
this time reading it, not having those expectations or anything with it. I just think at the time, X-Men fans were really invested in that Messiah Complex story. And this somehow became the final chapter of it. And Marvel kept saying, this is a starting point for new readers. And you're like, no, it's supposed to be the end of a story, you know? So like finish that story and then your reboot afterwards will be like the starting point. But another question that came in, well, it's not even a question. It's Wanda Winky Face. (laughs) Her costume was awesome. Yeah, she had a really nice costume. (laughs) I, the one thing I didn't like about Wanda in this was her dream journal at the beginning where she like so clearly writes out, this is how the world ends. (laughs) And then it's a Phoenix. I'm like, Wanda isn't, she doesn't have visions historically. And like, I get it. That's supposed to tell, you know, the reader that something larger is at stake here. But like, I don't know. I, I think Wanda actually did come across a little bit more rational and more empathetic because she is coming off of uh, Children's Crusade after, you know, right. House of M. So I think Wanda comes out looking good in this. I do yeah. appreciate. And, no, good. Yeah. And like with this, I also felt like if anything, I started, I, I felt like she had more moments where like I do feel she felt bad for what she did. Right. And like with Rod said, that issue zero uh, where like vision straight up is like. We don't. You, you shouldn't be here. Like you, this is not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, damn. Like he's right, though. You know, I like how Iron Man and you know Wolverine and like they're like it's his call, right? And it's because he she used his body to kill people, right? So it's like that's that's rough. But it's like I do feel uh, I started to forgive myself Wanda a little bit more. And the one thing I didn't like about the story that was a little bit weird, also too, like you're saying exactly that. Like she's now like having these visions kind of stuff, but then also like her powers hurt the Phoenix. I'm like. okay what was that like like she does chaos magic fine so that somehow affects his larger cosmic force okay but like i don't know that's never been established before we've never seen it again and it's almost like they needed like a literary tool to say this is how this is why the phoenix five don't obliterate the avengers it's funny that you say that because I actually felt the total opposite when she flexed her power (laughs) um i was like wow that's pretty awesome um i'm glad they made I'm glad they made Same. it that powerful because it's kind of like, in a way, a phoenix, as chaotic as it might seem to us human, is an agent of order, if you really think about it. Yeah. Because it's kind of like when we discussed previously when you were on our show, it's kind of like a forest fire. It destroys everything for new growth. Mm-hmm. But what would disrupt the order of things? If it's essentially based on order, it would be chaos, which is what Wand is based on. And to be honest, I think that's also why, in general, she's so crazy a lot of the time. And, you know, like her whole foundation is like she's like the essence of chaos in a way. Yeah. And that completely disrupts the whole binary system of the Phoenix Force. Well, here's the thing that I my, my, my much larger critique was that they were pushing the Phoenix and chaos magic to be like a yin and a yang. Uh, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Threw, yeah. They threw in the Iron Fist shit there, too, which has never been followed up on. And, <laughs> and that's. And that's what just made me feel kind of weird about the chaos magic and everything. And I think because at the time, again, I'm just trying to put myself back in like the 2010 mindset. You think, okay, the witch cursed the mutants. And the only thing more powerful enough to break that curse was the rebirth of, I want to say Gene, but like the Phoenix coming back and sparking the mutant race. I don't, that those are the only two instances that, relationship between chaos magic and the phoenix are tackled and i think they would have done well 
to have done less Iron Fist and more about the Phoenix and magic, you know, just to see that a little bit more. It's just my, that's just a suggestion I have to Marvel (laughs) editorial (laughs) from 2010. No, imagine we get like a new Gene Gray in the MCU and then like they're going to explore this with Wanda. That'd be so cool. That'd be crazy. That's exactly what I think. So when we're talking about AVX and like it coming to the MCU, I think the original Phoenix story that they're going to tell in the MCU is going to be this cosmic force coming for Gene and the Avengers stepping in to stop it. And I think that's how we'll get the That'd be epic. Yeah, because they're not going to tell the Dark Phoenix saga again after fucking Fox has fucked it over like three times already or two times sorry and it's funny that you mentioned that story concept because that could be the actual formation of the x-men just the same way the avengers were formed due to an alien invasion the x-men kind of get formed for an alien invasion too coincidentally because they all feel pooled to like kind of get together around the new gene great that's actually a really great idea that's crazy yeah let's all go work at marvel now hi kevin please hire us um, okay, so we have a series of questions from someone who <laughs> is asking very uh, detailed questions here, but how X-Men fans ignore how Avengers were in the right with Phoenix Force since Hope. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think I don't think X-Men fans were ignoring that. I just think like the mutants were investing all of their eggs in a basket with Hope and the Phoenix. And I don't think the Avengers were right. I think the Avengers, as we just discussed, should have sat down and talked to the to the X-Men. And I am really irked that Tony Stark at the beginning says, like, I've been monitoring this Phoenix Force since the begin since the Jean Grey incident. It's like, motherfucker, no, you haven't. Like Rachel Summers, the Cuckoos, and Song, you know, countless other Phoenix stories, Madeline Pryor. I don't, I don't think the Avengers were in the right. As no. an irrational X-Men fan, I don't think so. No, I and I, th- I think rereading it really showed that again, like, no, they were in the right to be concerned for sure. Uh, but, but like you're saying, why weren't they concerned in the past, though? Right. But now they're concerned. And then they just forced their hand uh, uh, into this, you know, saying like, well, our way is the right way. Because even you think about that, too, like this whole fucking situation got worse because Iron Man meddling. Right. Because he ended up doing his fucking fucking iron man shit where the phoenix then got split and got gave it to the five you know rather than going directly to hope that's because of him because him but no one said anything no everybody's like ah let's this you know let's pick on cyclops because you know fuck him but it's iron man's fault he has the power you know sure hope kind of said no to it but come on it's because of that now they made it ma- m- monstrously worse and then later, once Namor really destroys Wakanda, <laughs> at that point, well, yes, okay, let's get involved. Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's that fair. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, so he creates a Phoenix, you know, killing machine. It splinters into the Phoenix Five. And you don't see Tony being like, wow, I accidentally did that. Let me try to make amends here and pull the Phoenix from them. And yeah, I just, and that's where the story I think takes a turn where I'm Team Avengers because the Phoenix Five. No, no, because that just reminded me of like the double standard. That was the other thing that pissed me off in those days, right? Because the issue with Wanda, Wanda killed a lot of mutants when she depowered them, right? But yeah. the Avengers or- were like, no, we're not 
putting her through, you know, like the justice system and, and giving and having her pay for her crimes. Why? Because she lost her mind and used that power by accident. Same thing with Cyclops. Cyclops was possessed by a cosmic force and he killed one person, Charles. Okay. Like he's already died in, in the past. Yeah, like, <laughs> and he's already been dead. It's right. fine. He's just taking a dirt nap. Yeah. yeah exactly. I have a, I have a question to that comment. All right, if Scott Summers and Steve Rogers were both running for pre- U.S. president, who would you vote for? Scott Summers. And, and, and what I'm establishing, Scott? Word? Steve Rogers. What? Scott, Scott, Scott is fucking Steve. nuts. Are exactly. you guys no. uh, Scott <laughs> saved the entire mutant species from extinction. And Cap has saved the entire world. <laughs> Half mutants the universe. Included. So has Cyclops. So now, Cyclops and the other thing, too. But then, for example, Cyclops, like legit until Namor destroys Wakanda. What were the bad things that the Phoenix Five were doing? Nothing. They were doing good things to the world, you know, and like they kept saying, like, we have to stop them. We have to the crime. Bro, they flexed doing. on the U.N. They, they were... just went in there and flexed. Not and yet, T'Challa but... was in the in the in the crowd or whatever. The logic of the U.S. president made my blood boil it's like yes the world is a utopia but there must be accountability like what shut the fuck up like like how many atrocities i'm sure even in the comic books is america responsible for in every iteration of america it's responsible for mad atrocities how dare you say fuck these people creating a utopia like, I love that you said sense. metatrocities, by the way. That is <laughs> I'm stealing everything from you guys. Here's the thing, though, about the Phoenix Five, you know, bringing peace on Earth that really irked me because, again, Cyclops's main goal up until the point he got the Phoenix was to repower the mutant race. So now the guy who wants to repower the mutant race has a power to repower the mutant race, but he doesn't do it. And like, I think the answer is because he couldn't do it. Right. But I wish they would have tackled that because I'm like, Scott, why the fuck are you solving world hunger when your main goal was to get the mutants back from the brink of extinction? And that's a point that's not really addressed in the series. I would think because it's honestly implied because trying to see it from his perspective is, oh, by the way, quick side note, the Phoenix Five Cyclops is my favorite favorite aesthetic iteration of cyclops ever oh, best he costume he's ever had bar none that shit is amazing anyway well, um, that's one of no no that's one of the questions we got in which no. was uh just how good in all caps good the phoenix five looks are oh yeah, yeah the, the fucking off the hook um the thing with cyclops was i think he was like listen we've been made into gods and mm-hmm. the first thing we're gonna do so you guys don't bitch and you shut the fuck up it's make the world the utopia and then we'll take care of ourselves, which okay. kind of expose how shitty humanity is when even given everything, yeah. they still want to look a gift horse in the mouth and shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> we shall not be subjugated yeah, by homo I mean, superior. By, yeah, by being given everything? Okay. I don't know what that, I mean, it's kind of like with House of M. I remember having sort of a similar philosophical debate which was like, so someone gave you everything you wanted. There's no harm in the world. You're the one. Is it the self-destructive nature yep. of ourselves? Yep. Or is it wrong to give someone everything they want, even though they didn't ask for it? I don't know what the answer is. I, don't. I know the answer. It's the former. <laughs> Listen, if Wanda was going to come to me and give me whatever I wanted and Cyclops and Emma were going to hover around and like cure all of the world's like problems... I'd be down for it. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with exactly. you. 
I think the Avengers had to stick up their ass, but I do understand because, you know, the, their, their main concern was that the Phoenix was going to start, you know, corrupting them. And, and we eventually got that, especially with the scene of Emma, you know, making all the X-Men on Utopia bow to her and everything. And I was just like, oh, like, I don't know. It felt a little bit more cartoon, like, you know, twisting your mustache evil than like an actual, like, nefarious. well, I mean, in a way, also, we can't act like Wolverine didn't have one of the biggest I told you so's in comic history. Mm-hmm. As soon as Hope got the shit into her on the moon, she was like, no, kill me. It's too much. It's like, I was I was trying to do this. Like, <laughs> like this is exactly what I told you would happen. Oh, and actually with that, I was also a little bit surprised a little bit with that because I kind of liked Hope, you know, her story. I, I really read the shit out of the Messiah Complex and with uh, Cable's run with, with her and growing up. And I felt a little bit like Cable would be mad, disappointed in you, girl. Like, he Word. raised you better for you to then in that last minute be like, no, I don't want this. Kill me. Like, really, dude? Like, dude, Cable would be upset. Bro. Like, and and that's surprised. actually a point as well because in um in the story leading up to messiah or excuse me second coming hope says in that cable series that she's ready to go back and that everything in her body is calling out to the x-men and then when she gets there during second coming i think she says oh i lied ha 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 like i actually just wanted to come to the present but then at the end she displays the phoenix or whatever right and yeah i agree i think at this point she's had enough time to process the phoenix she's trained her entire life for this and like yeah what would nathan christopher summers say to you right now hope (laughs) bro she gave up in one panel yeah right go back and look at that shit it's like it goes from one panel she gave up yeah and and i think that's also a plot device i think because then they had to write the thing about well then the avengers can train her to make her uh uh ready right because then she has to go to kunlun and gets the whole thing with iron fist and all that and then because oh that's and then she's ready to do this right but you know why i hate that with the whole thing with the iron fist is because danny was at the hospital when Jean originally turned into Phoenix after the space shuttle flight. And that wasn't even addressed at all. They didn't even want to touch that. Why not source the material there? Now, all of a sudden, you're just going to shoehorn something in there because I don't know if Danny Rand was particularly popular at the time, but like build upon the mythos you had there. And like, it didn't do anything. Like, so the Avengers trained her. Great. Perfect. She was already training with the X-Men. And not only that, she should have been trained by Rachel. She should have been trained by the Cuckoos. They had fucking Cyclops training her. Like, the last person on the planet who should be training someone, a young redhead with green eyes, on how to wield the field. Like, don't get him anywhere near her, you know? Yeah, but, um, like, (laughs) it's just, in my opinion, it's just, I'm just shocked at how... Like, that seemed, like, really lazy to me. I Like, out of all the twists and turns in the story, I wasn't expecting her to give up immediately. That, yeah. that felt so weird. It was yeah. so weird. There were some yeah. points that I thought were lazy. But anyways, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, you know, because even with that, because it was actually, because... It was. I thought it was really fucking cool how she first she escaped right. She Word. like beat the other mutants, you know, in Utopia to escape and, she's and get out. Literally walking on water because she's no. in the style. Exactly, and then was she's that like, super speed, by the way. 
Because it looked like she was running on what she was booking it, like you know. Because even and even when she tracks Wolverine in Antarctica or whatever it was, right, and and then finds him, and she's flying the 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 you know what the Blackbird or whatever they have uh, uh, by herself. I'm like, that's pretty dope. I'm like, you're you're you seem you're ready, and then you're on the moon ready, and then he's like, no, I don't want it anymore. It's like, "Ah." (laughs) am I still early in the Hope Saga? Well, and it doesn't. She's still like relatively new. But I don't I don't think I understand even the logistics of it because the Phoenix at the early on in the story still hadn't entered hope, but she was manifesting the Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. So so how does the Phoenix being in other people? Why can't it still manifest itself through hope? Why, Why is it worse off? in other hosts and it still can't affect hope I, that because we have that scene with Cyclops after the Phoenix five where he's here like, Oh, you want this power. Don't you? He's like, psych, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, you douchebag. Like the art is like, great, but like, fuck you. And I, I don't understand why hope wasn't able to call it. And that's another thing I didn't like about it. The Phoenix had no personality, which of course in the past we have seen the Phoenix have a voice and a personality. Which is kind of bugged me out because if you think about it, so I've never read the event until now. So I read Enter the Phoenix first. I'm like, does Thor know he's fighting his mom? <laughs> like, this mind is like eight years ago. I'm like, oh, no shit. Wait, this was written like a long ass time ago. Like, no, he does not know he's fu-. like at that point when they wrote the Phoenix, no one even conceived of making the Phoenix Thor's mom. Right. So the fact that I read him backwards, it's kind of interesting in a way. Yeah, after learning that about, you know, the the, the next storyline, like seeing that scene where there's like a first squad of Avengers fighting the Phoenix, like, you know, way deep in space, when it's like just Thor left and it's him against the Phoenix. I was like, oh, shit, like this is deeper now because exactly. of the context. And it's almost kind of like in a way I felt like this whole event, um, while epic as fuck and for the most part it was well written, it had a lot of uh, just go with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. You know, it's funny because I have here in my notes that like writing comes in and out. But when I actually like that was something I thought back then, I I do think some of the narration isn't that great. Like what like in the first couple of issues where they're like, you feel the sting, the kiss of the phoenix. I was just like, like, stop it. (laughs) But I think the writing does pick up in the second half. And I think if you have the mentality, just go with it and don't be in my case, an angry ex stand. It's a compelling story. And you have obviously one of the bigger things that happen, which is, um, and this does lead into a question like who, what was your favorite fight? I think the Xavier and Cyclops fight was my favorite because I think there's a lot of emotion there. And I think that really does show you that maybe Cyclops did take it too far. Don't get me wrong. I think Cyclops is justified. Like fuck everyone. Cyclops is always right. But I think there was a lot of emotion there that I, I personally never gave the story credit for. Oh, I, I agree. And actually reading it again, because also the art, that was the Olivia Coipel art was mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful. I forgot how gorgeous it was. And then but yeah, like also um, with the emotion, I actually got a little bit pissed off at like Charles. I'm like, you are being mad condescending because first of all, you're saying I'm ashamed of you. I'm like, damn, dude, don't talk to him like that. And then like he calls him son as well. And, you know, that's when Cyclops goes like, you're not my father. I'm like, dude, like Charles, relax. Dude. And he has like... In the pictures, he has his hands in his pockets, like mad. Ca- I'm like, damn, Charles is mad casual. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you, you want to get killed, you know? Yeah, I just, I, I, I feel like he should have approached his surrogate son a certain way. You would know what makes him 
tick. True. And I agree. He was kind of like agitating him. And 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 he ha- and he knows what the Phoenix is capable of. Yes. He absolutely knows that it's not yeah. Cyclops, that it's a Phoenix. So it's basically kind of like as a New Yorker, Xavier <laughs> was out of pocket. um i would say my favorite fight had no bearing on the situation at all but it was just because one line got me and it was when um um the thing is fighting namar he's like i don't give a fuck what's going on i I just like punching you in the face i love that beef between ben grimm and and namor like like he doesn't care about the phoenix he's like oh i get to fight namar i'm in i'm in let's do it Imperious Rex, yo, Namor. I can't wait to see him in the MCU. Oh, I can't. And by the way, like he's not considered a mutant, right? He's an Atlantean. Atlanteans he's a, are. He's a, he's a mutant and an an Atlantean. Atlantean. Sorry. But... How? How? If you don't mind me asking, like me being ignorant from my own edification. No, 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 no. So I think he's a mutant as a result among his people. He is a mutant. Oh, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. So, so he eventually joins the X-Men and he's part of the extinction team and yeah. he has a whole history with Emma that comes to the surface. Or I could be, I, I boiled down his very complex history into just like one thought, but I'm pretty sure the wings on his feet are a result of his mutation. Right. Gotcha. So Atlanteans aren't supposed to fly. So yeah, they're not. Like they don't you. have those wings on his feet. Gotcha. So, but speaking of favorite fights, I want to do a quick shout out because one of my favorite fights has to be the Spider-Man against Colossus and Magic. I love oh, that. Yeah. I love that scene because I love it encapsulates Spider-Man so perfectly in the cover of that issue by Jim Chung with him just like beat up and stuff. I I love that. I didn't love the art in that issue with Adam Kubert too much. I'm more of an Andy Kubert fan, but but it was okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with uh, the fight between Cap and Wolverine. I think it's in issue two. Oh yeah. But yeah. but then then later on, you learn that they're actually working together, and then I wonder how much of that fight was serious. But yeah, no, but it gets pretty deep. Like you know, Cap hits him in the back of the head. Wolverine like cuts him like. You know, in the midsection, I'm like, damn, this is re-. and it was drawn by uh, John Romita, who I have like a love hate with, depending on like which book he's on. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought like all the fights were were really great and fun. Did you guys read the uh, the side book where they just con- they just focused on the fights ever? And, and by the I- way, for the listeners, we just read the main yeah. twelve issue story. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that yet, but mm-hmm. since it's on. Um- Comixology Unlimited. Shout out to Comixology. We're fishing for that sponsorship. <laughs> um, since I downloaded the whole thing, those fight books are after the story, so I'm actually gonna get to those. Um, they're now. fun. They're turn off. I was disappointed by them. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, because you know, there's almost no finality to it. No, there is. Know. They do say like winner, you know, blah. Like you have like Emma versus Thor. You have Hawkeye, like imagining what it would be like if Psylocke and Black Widow fought. Like you know, what I mean, like it's they're kind of corny, but they they're very much grab your brain and put it in a drawer. It's fan service with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the ending with Cyclops finally letting go of the Phoenix because he sees an apparition of Gene? It goes into hope. They say no more Phoenix and the mutants are repowered. I liked it. I I I I liked it because it goes to what we were what you were saying earlier about like why didn't Cyclops do it to, from the beginning, right? Because yeah, he didn't know, right? He wasn't expecting that yeah. he would do it. Honestly, that does show that they were obviously unprepared. Because if Hope would have gotten it, because Hope's first reaction was like, 
all right, I'm the Phoenix now. I'm going to do all this shit. And then Wanda helps to calm her down to be like, no, that's not what you wanted. So, you know, I think it had to happen this way. It could have it could have happened with them working as a team from the beginning. You know, no need to fight, guys. But, (laughs) but, you know, I I like that. And I do think I like the way it lent to then creating new mutants, activating the, the dormant or dead X gene. In all these people in the whole community around the world. I like that. And I thought that was a very beautiful scene with Wanda and Hope. And I think about it a lot where, where Hope is like, Wanda, I feel like I'm on fire. And she goes up to her and she goes, you know what? You were right. I was responsible for this. Let me help you. And they hold hands and, and it's a kind of beautiful moment. And I understand thematically where that works. And then the mutants are back. Yeah, for me, it was... To be honest, I enjoyed the ending. It was more about Cyclops than anything else because, damn, that dude has been through it with the Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jean Grey has been through it with the Phoenix. But imagine someone that closely. Imagine, like, it's almost, aside from, let's say, like, that Jean Grey was thrown into the fire. Imagine being roasted by it. That's what's been happening to Scott for so long. And, like, he finally became, like, endowed with the Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like, he got a chance to let it go. It was almost kind of like the ultimate form of closure for Scott to literally let go of the Phoenix. Wow, that's... Yes, I didn't even think about it like that Mm -hmm. till now. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I want you to read Hawks Fox now. (laughs) I got you, I got you, I got you. No, you're absolutely right. And, And there was... an you know, the apparition of Gene is emblematic of that. Like he had to let go of his pain. He had to let go of his hope and just trust a much larger force to do its thing. That's what I mean. Like, it's kind of like for him, it was like the ultimate form of closure because I feel like when he let go of the Phoenix, he also in a way let go of Gene in a healthy way. Not like that he forgot her, but it's like, since they're so closely entwined, it was like all around closure for him. And a giant, I told you so. Like, see, look, I told you so. Like, the Phoenix was going to reignite mutants. Stop being a yeah. big cap. Like, we know he didn't really <laughs> get over Gene, right? No, 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 no. Like because the... Scott is an obsessive jerk who you guys would make president, which is, I'm like, what the fuck? That's who we need. He'd be in That's the White we, House. We like, need Gene. someone with action. <laughs> Gene. Yeah. I, and to just give more context to the listeners. So I think in the uncanny spinoff of AVX, he goes into the white hot room or he touches like the surface of the white hot room and he hears Gene's voice. And then I think it was called infinite comics, which were stories that were put in between AVX. There is one where he recreates Gene from her molecules in the blue area of the moon. And they have that conversation. So that's why I think your comment is extremely insightful um, and me as a crazy Gene Stan was just like, no, Gene should have come in and saved the day. Because the promo, the final promo for AVX was called The End, and it showed Dark Phoenix Gene. And I was like, oh, our girl's coming back. And no, she didn't. <laughs> it's time to move on. It's time Gotta to move go. on. Gotta let her go like Scott. Let, let her go. So do you guys have, oh, I'm sorry, Rod, did you have a chance to answer? Oh, no. I mean, I, I just remember when I first read it, like comparing it to the other Marvel events, I thought it was all right. Like it, it didn't it blow me away. Um, like, you know, things like Siege and uh, Civil War. Those are really good Civil events, I felt. Um, and, and even Messiah Complex. Uh, but yeah, it, it was all right. It, I feel like it didn't deliver. It was huge. Uh, you know, I bought all the tie-ins. I gave Marvel all my monies. But at the end, <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, that was pretty cool. You know, Charles dies, but we all know that he's going to come back. Yeah. 
Any final thoughts from everyone? I, I, I liked it more the second time around. I, I think it was cool. And I, we mentioned this actually in the chat. I think something that for me, I think might have helped me liking it more is like, as we mentioned, when it was happening, there was all these tie-in books, right? They had these these A plus X, the actual fights, and also like the, um, the X-Men books, the Avenger books. Like it was so many, and I read them all. And I think that's what made me not really like it too much because each book was very different. It was kind of weird how they're all connecting the stories and just reading the main 12 books. I, I think it, I don't need the other ones. I think that helped me to really enjoy that one event more. And I kind of appreciate it more. And then actually knowing now with, with you know, Hickman's run on Krakoa and he was a writer in that book, right? And Jason Aaron doing the Avengers and Enter the Phoenix yeah. now. I'm like, I'm curious, like, oh, are you guys going to, connect back to this in a way what does that have you know how does that connect so i'm like okay it was okay yeah yeah i think for me me being much more of a dc head um i grew to appreciate the whole thing at marvel a lot more than i did before because i was actually telling miguel on our thread that um the infinity comic of nova getting to earth made me a fan of the character yeah that's a great that's a great one yeah, and I guess it kind of like translates for me because I've always been a fan of Green Lantern to the point that like I have a symbol tattooed on my chest of like I have the Green Lantern logo. <laughs> uh, um, and but so you pull Superman kind of... and you just open it up like that. <laughs> well, I have it in like on one side, but kind oh, of I gotcha. like, flash people yeah. periodically. Um, but in a way, it's kind of like I always wrote off the Nova core as like bullshit Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. But then him seeing how he interacts and all the things he has to go through and the difficulties and the struggles, I'm like, I'm going to check Nova out. Yeah. So it actually like it made me a bigger fan of Marvel. So the only thing I'm going to say about Nova was when they were teasing uh, AVX in the point one issue, they have Nova escaping a planet that the Phoenix literally obliterates. And he goes, all those people epic fail and it's like an entire planet <laughs> just got devoured and now you can say it's epic fail he's a and that's kid he, you're right it's it's but it was i just like i remember reading that like mm. and then that's the other thing too like with with avx that kind of threw me off was like when he crashes into the chrysler building and then spider-man's able to like web and like crash everyone and like the thing that people say are like that's it i'm moving and i'm like the Chrysler building just got destroyed. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, well, I mean, but remember though, like, we're a little ridiculous. That's an NYC that's used to Hulk rampages. You're right. You're, you're, you're and, and I understand that humor. I really <laughs> do. I may have just had like a pretentious literary stick up my ass, and I still do when I when I see that scene because I would just think it would be a little bit more powerful, you know, like Wilson Fisk is in there. Like, True. you know, True. someone's going to be angry, but Rod, what are your final thoughts? I was going to say, God, but I'm um, back. No, I'm glad that we got the Snyder Cut. That's all <laughs> I want to say. As a fanboy, I am satisfied. And I can't wait for DC's next offering. All right, what Rod got from, from a bigger X-Men <laughs> was that. I'm glad we got the Snyder Cut. <laughs> That's Yo, it. That's what I boils down to. Fellas, where can listeners at home connect with you guys? Who wants to do up? Oh. Yeah, well, All right, we are on Instagram.com uh, slash Legion on Zoom. Google Legion on Zoom. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know, like all our photos and videos, and we will love you back. 
Yeah, yeah we're not, on Spotify. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcast. I think we're on Google Podcast, Amazon Music. We're on all the major outlets. Shout out to our people in India who listen to us on Ghana. I hope I'm saying it correctly, <laughs> which is blowing our minds. We didn't even know it was a thing. But yeah, we're on all the major outlets. Audio. Yeah, I mean, I'm always regramming you guys because I'm obsessed with all the content you guys put out. So I'm a fan. All right, guys, I'm the Uncanny Day Spring signing off.